Improve it, peeps. Oh, y'all don't even know. You don't even know. I'm coming real hot into today's intro because I'm so thrilled and honored to share this interview with you. Claude Silver is one of the most amazing thought leaders that I have had the privilege of following on LinkedIn. She is an emotional optimist, a coach, a manager, mentor, and she is the first ever chief heart officer leading the charge at Vayner Media. She works for approximately 2,000 humans and is in touch with the heartbeat of every single person in the company. Her role is to infuse the agency with empathy, and it is her purpose. Claude thinks that culture is a texture. It's a vibe. It's a feel. It's alive. And definitely, it's not one or two-dimensional. She thinks culture is very three-dimensional. And culture, in a nutshell, is the heartbeat for her. And you'll hear that as we talk today. It's something that absolutely lights up an entire system. And if it's in place, it is thriving. Claude is constantly asking, how do I hold space for people? How do I not make it about my agenda? She's had an enormously fortunate career, and now this role is the role of a lifetime, and it is all about her life's work. It's bringing together every single personal and professional growth workshop she's attended, every corporate team building sessions she's led, and fun fact, she has used improv in quite a few of those, you'll hear about that, and every trust fall that she's caught she doesn't necessarily have all the answers. She's helping their employees find their answers. This is actually a conversation we get to at the very end of today's show. It's so impactful. It's so meaningful. This chief heart officer role was created to scale Gary Vaynerchuk and to make sure that VaynerX and VaynerMedia's 1,600 plus, 2,000 plus employees have a place that they can find home. We're going to talk about how she got this role, which is fascinating, what she does on a daily basis. And she actually hopes that in her 15 to 30 minute meetings with employees, they'll feel so much clearer and that they leave with a newfound path to a solution, which in turn creates success for that employee, but also for VaynerMedia as a whole. I am thrilled. I am honored to have had this conversation. I am just blown away by her wisdom and just the conversation that we had. Enjoy, enjoy today's episode with the one, the only, Claude Silver. Are you a leader searching for new and innovative ways to drive employee engagement and team morale through the roof? Do you want to create a company culture where everyone feels seen, heard, and valued? Hi, I'm Erin Deal, business improv edutainer, fluencer, and professional Zumbie who is ready to help you improve your it. Your it being the thing that makes you, you. Think of me as your keeping it real professional development bestie who is here to help you learn from your failures, stand tall in your power, and improve yourself so you can improve the lives of others. Oh, and did I mention that we are improving your it through play? That's right. I am an improvisational comedy expert who uses experiential learning to help you have your aha (laughs) moments. Those are the moments when the light bulb goes off and you're laughing at the same time. So grab your chicken hat, your notebook, and your inner child because I'm going to take you on a journey that is both fun and transformative. Welcome to the Improve It Podcast. 
Claude. I am so excited to have you here on the Improve It Pod. Welcome to the show. Erin, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I love it so much. And I, as I mentioned before we hit record, I just find you so intriguing. I love what you stand for. I love the work that you do. I love how you communicate it. So our audience is in for a treat. I'm in for a treat. Selfishly, I'm like, let me just take notes on my, my Evernote notebook and just soak all this in. Um, but I want our audience, if they don't already know you, which I'm sure most do, to get to know you on a deeper level. And so this is a fun game that I like to play called Five Facts. And so it has a little ditty on the upfront, okay? And I'll do the little ditty, but then I want you to give us five facts about Claude that we would never know from your LinkedIn bio, your bio, your resume, any of the places we could find you. Um, and we'll just hear those five facts and it goes, I'll give you the ditty first. It goes like this, five facts, five facts, five facts, five facts, five facts. Here we go. Do I sing that too? If you want, or you could just give me your one fact, whatever feels right. Five facts, five facts, five facts, five facts, five facts. Okay. I spent a good portion of my 20s studying uh, clairvoyancy, chakra healing, and past life regression. Okay. You and I, I knew we were friends, but you and I have to talk so much after this. Okay. Two. Uh, two. I am really interested in psychotropics. Okay. Number three. I love listening to the same songs over, 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 over on repeat. What's your favorite song? Oh gosh. That's just impossible. So hard. So hard. Okay. Okay. Four, four. I love a Diet Coke a day. And if I cannot get a Diet Coke a day, I will drink a sugar-free Red Bull. Yes, it is true. Yes. Well, you need, you got to have wings. Okay. Number five. You got, you got to have wings. Um, geez, I mean, God, I have so many books that I don't read and I yeah. look at them all day long and feel really guilty about them. They're like children and I just want to at least touch everyone once a day. Oh, I know the neglected children. I too have that same thing because in theory, you're like, this book sounds awesome. And then when do you read that book? That's my question. At what time do I read that book? Uh, yeah, give me the time. And by the way, I noticed I'm starting to be a collector, aka hoarder on Audible. Mm. And I had to have a talk with myself two days ago. No, no, you cannot download any more Audible until you at least read one or two that's been sitting here for uh, two years. I hear you on that. And you know what I was doing? I was doing like a lot of running at one point and I did get into Audible. And then I, that was great. I actually listened to quite a few books. Not yeah. doing it anymore. Got the old back issues. So the back and the reading have really <laughs> just gone to poop. Gone to poop. <laughs> well, let me, I want to start too with that first fact. First of all, I love this game because it just gives us so much more insight into who you are. And I love, you know, I already told you this. I find your work fascinating. But the clairvoyant piece, number one, fact one. Can I give you some fun facts about myself? Oh my gosh. Yes. Let me just share this. I love I um love Reiki, have a wonderful clairvoyant teacher, and I just actually hired him as my life as an intuitive life coach, which I'm very intrigued by. So, 
are you still studying this work or have you like, was it something you studied a while ago? You know, I think once you study it, you always study it. If it's something that's just, it's intuition. Yeah. So I'm a huge proponent of, of intuition and mysticism and, and, um, just belief in energy. So it's always with me. And, but no, I'm not in a school where I'm actually practicing it. And I hear what you're saying, because once you understand your inner being, your inner, your inner connectivity and the importance of energy, it's one of those things that I think is ever present in every conversation and every piece of work that you touch. So I can see this very clearly and the way that you show up in the world. And I love that so much. And I'm grateful we get to chat with you today. So let's set an intention. I know this this is something we love to do at the beginning of every show, of every workshop we do. What is one word, one word intention that you want to get to our audience today? Hope. Hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So yeah. Let me ask you this. I know you've done a ton of team building. I was researching, looking through a lot of the things that you've done, and it seems to be a pillar in your career. Have you ever used improv to team build? I haven't, but I've had improv teachers and practitioners come into various places I've been working before. I love it. And ha- and do you, are you familiar with the craft? Do you, I mean, so you've had some experience doing it at workplaces. It is such a, for me, it's such a magical teaching tool. And it's the the backbone of what I know you stand for and VaynerMedia and all of the things that you touch stand for is really empathy and caring and kindness and just the traits of a good human being. And we always say the traits of a great improviser Make up the traits of a great human being because you have to have that trust, that kindness, that companionship, that compassion to go on stage and make something up with other humans. You can't not have their back, right? So I love that you have, it seems the pillars of that we have are very aligned with your work. I want to ask you too, how did this connection to Gary V to Vayner Media, Vayner X. How did this all take place, and what led you to this role as Chief Heart Officer, which is the best title ever? It is. It's the best title in showbiz for sure. Yes, uh, I had been following Gary since 2009, and in uh, the back half of 2013, my best friend in the entire world introduced me to him. And basically said, you guys are two sides of the same coin. You have to meet. And I was like, I know who he is. Yeah. And so I was living in London at the time. And we had a very brief phone call, like three minutes, two minutes, where which was magical anyway. And uh, then I came to New York and I met him. We had a coffee. Um, he had half of a grapefruit in a black coffee. That's what I remember. <laughs> I had, I had my and, uh, and we just hit it off. And I think we just kind of fell for one another in that. So that was September of 2013. And then one thing led to another. And I started with him in New York, May 8th of 2014. So when I start, I had been a strategist at a, uh, at advertising agencies for a while. I mean, that's kind of like my background, which is very much a people person, which is very much a, um, it, you know, a, a sociologist, a psychologist, all of that stuff, all of that good stuff. 
And I, uh, he hired me. I was the first, his first senior hire. I was a woman, which was a big deal, I think, back then. And I was probably one of the third, fourth oldest people in the company, which was great. And shortly after starting, he had me go to other offices to go kind of quote unquote, do that thing that I do. And that's when I first realized, oh, I'm with someone who actually sees the secret sauce. Mm. I have a job that pays the bills and I've always been that person. I just want to be with people and I enjoy being in the perfectly imperfect mess of us all. And um, so I said to him on my year anniversary, like, thank you so much. You're great. I love this place. I don't want to do advertising anymore. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I only care about people. I only care about the heartbeat of this place. And so about six months later, we created the chief heart officer role. It was set up originally to run kind of HR, which I changed the name from HR to people and experience. And what I said to him is like, hey, I've never done HR and I don't want to do it. So he said, yeah, great. You're going to hire a team around you. And while I was doing that hiring and looking for the right people to complement, I was able to start to create and craft what I wanted this department to be and how it would, you know, shuck and jive and be a very big cornerstone of the culture. So that is how I got here. Started out with a grapefruit and now we're here. This is truly, I, I mean... How did, okay, so let me ask you this. This is just pure, pure curiosity. This friend knew Gary, knew you, and just said, these energies have to combine. These two people must know each other. And what I'm hearing you say is Gary saw you. He saw what makes you tick. How he saw Claude's magnet, Claude's sort of it, we call it the it here Mm -hmm. that you give the world and said, this is too great of a person. She doesn't want to do advertising. Let's figure out how to keep her and engage her. And then look at this. I mean, this is so cool. Yeah, this is really cool. I mean, I resigned. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Okay, okay. From the company. Um, and then four months later, we sat down and had breakfast. And he said, that's it. You're coming back. You will be chief heart officer. And I knew exactly what that was. It, you know, the only job description I have is to touch every single human and infuse the agency with empathy. So I figured I could do that because I've always done that. And the rest I, I, I make up based on who I'm talking to, you know, talk about improv, like the, the screen comes up a zoom and here comes Charlie and I'm figuring out how to get into where I want to get to with Charlie or they walk into the room and I'm figuring, all right, how am I going to get there with Alice? So it's all it's all improv and there is no there's no menu. Yeah. Yeah, but you put that secret sauce empathy on all yeah. the plates, on all the plates which I really love. And so this leads me actually beautifully into something I saw I told you I was doing some research and one of my favorite posts that you posted says empathetic leadership looks like I've got your back. And that means safety. It means I believe in you, which means belonging. It means there's nothing that you can break that I can't help put back together, which means don't be afraid to fail. I love this post so much, Claude, because all of these components are tenets of improv comedy, something that we hold true to us and something that we use as our teaching tool to teach 
these fundamentals. And so what does making people feel seen, heard, and valued mean to you? This is a loaded question, but what does that mean to you? I guess what it means to me is just the common denominators that we all have, the common the commonalities that we all share very similar emotions. We've all shared very similar emotions. And, you know, to kind of like cut through the BS and just like, I want to feel safe and I want to feel great at work. And don't you? Yeah. So if I'm in a position to do that because of who I, who I am, my role, but more than anything, just my desire and my purpose, why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I make life a little easier for you? Why wouldn't I try to create a space where you could take your armor down? You know, why wouldn't I try to create a space where you can forgive yourself? I mean, there's no reason I, there's no reason not to do any of these things. I, we're here for, I mean, we're here and we got one life and it's not always easy. And there are people that have a ton of challenges in life. And I really recognize that. And, uh, and that doesn't mean that we're all the same apples, apples, apples. We're absolutely unique and we share a lot of similarities. I agree with that. I agree with that to the core of who we are. We're human beings. And I, I feel like we have very similar thoughts on this and I believe we're all here you know, we're given this soul, this body, we got one, we got one purpose. Let's live it. You know, let's get out there and do it. And, uh, I love, I love that this is your job, right? I love that a chief heart officer is so important to be the heartbeat. They say HR is the heartbeat of a company. And I know you, you run the HR department, but this role in particular speaks volumes. The title itself, when you hear the word, you're like, yes, this belongs in an organization because you're trying to foster this idea of belonging. Why would you not have a person there to be that heartbeat, to control the heart, to not control, but to help control the way that people feel when they walk into or join a Zoom call and make it a positive experience? It just is so smart and I think a lot of leaders listening today sh- are empathizing, hopeful, wishing that they could implement something like this within their own organizations. I want to talk specific to you because this is a lot of energy. Talking about energy, like you have to expend yourself. So you like are giving, 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 giving. Claude is like on the giving train all day, right? So what do you have any key habits? that you do regularly to put energy into yourself before you step into this chief heart officer role every day? Are there any key things that you do to put energy into you? Yeah. You know, I I have habits and I don't know if they're rituals, you know, because they, they, they change every now and then, but I mean, my morning is, is kind of rushed. I've got a 16 month old and and an almost four year old. So it's not like I have a lot of time for myself. But from about, you know, 45 minutes before I know I need to get busy and I need to be with it, you know, I have coffee, I listen to music, I, I'm able to just ground. Being grounded is, is the magic for me. If I'm not grounded, then it's, then it's just not going to be a good moment. And there are definitely times 
that I've had where I say to myself, you know what, I'm going to move that meeting because I need to take 15 minutes for myself. And whatever that is, I need to go take a ride. I need to have a Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but or so, Red Bull. Or Red Bull. Yeah, or, or sugar-free Red Bull, because it does give you wings. <laughs> the, um, yeah, you know, I don't have anything necessarily that I could say, oh, this is what Claude does every single morning to prepare. You know, I, you know, I, I, have, I have kids, and I get a lot out of that. And I get a lot of creativity and physical activity with them. And most mornings, my eldest daughter and I are having... Um, you know, picnics with her Barbies. And mm. so that's, I think, using my imagination and being creative with her and watching her blossom is part of m my deal. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I have a three-year-old boy and I hear you because I sit there and watch him. Like this morning he had his walkie-talkies and he was calling his friend Julia, which is a made-up character from the Disney movie Luca. Because she had dinosaurs in her house and he was calling the police because the dinosaurs uh, at Julia's house. And um, so that was a whole moment. But I sit and I watch him and I'm like, wow, we were born with this ability to imagine and to play and to be creative and to just lose our inhibitions. And then somewhere along the way, we are taught that it's not okay. Yeah. Look, here's my little. Oh, for those of you who cannot see, it's a unicorn. It's a little unicorn I'm holding. You know what happens? I I've thought a lot about this. The especially because because um, I struggled in school, and now I'm watching my kids and their imagination. Talk about improv. I mean, everything they do is improv, right? Yeah. Nothing is nothing is ritualized yet, and. Um, and I think to myself, you know, we have this wonderful imagination and mysticism, going back to that word I used in the beginning, and uh, an ability to improv and whatnot and dream and think about unicorns and, and all of that stuff. And I do think that there's a part of the educational system that asks us, quite frankly, to become a more linear analytical thinker. And it requires us, let's just say, if you're going to take the SATs and fill in those ridiculous multiple choice bubbles, um, you have to be able to be a good test taker and be very analytical and, and a chess player. Uh, and I don't know if, as we're growing up, if our minds can carry both of those things, the right and the left brain. And so I do think we make choices, maybe um, unconsciously, to become successful at school or academics and whatnot, and we leave that imagination behind. Then we don't have any more time for it. We think, you know, I got to be successful. I got to do this. I got to crush. I got to blah, blah, blah. I got to bring in a zillion dollars. And, you know, it's not really like the dreamers. The dreamers are like, yeah, well, I'm going to just dream. And then your parents say, you're not going to make any money dreaming. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what happens. I mean, in a, in a nutshell, I'm oversimplifying it. And that's something I just want to like, uh, just completely blow out of the water. I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. Club, let's make a, let's do a, a nonprofit. Unicorns Unite. I, Unicorns, I, unite. <laughs> Unicorns Unite. Let me tell you something. I am totally on board with this concept. I actually was a horrible test taker. Horrible especially the SATs. Have I used any of those word problems in my real life? Absolutely not. 
and it, I've always felt like the dreamer and the, and it, the analytical side of me has to come out because I'm a business owner. Right. But I also feel like life is too short going back to this sort of underlying fundamental to not dream and to not allow ourselves play. And that's why I think this concept of energy, putting energy into ourselves and fueling ourselves with things that give us that fuel so we can give it out to others as chief heart officer, HR leader, whatever you may be, is so important. And it sounds like you get that energy from play, which is just the coolest freaking thing. I'm so on board with that. And so when you have that energy, you get this energy from your kids, you're importing it into yourself, you get grounded. How do you see that energy then when you're grounded transform into the people you're communicating with? Well, I think it brings an enormous amount of calm. That's what I will say. Yeah. You know, even this uh, guy this morning was very conscious that he ha- I had heard some rumblings about uh, inappropriate kind of tone he took in a meeting with someone. And I set up time with him. And this entire time we've waited a week he thought I was going to come crashing down on him. He didn't know me. And I said to him, you know what? I just want to spend this time getting to know you. Like, like, where are, where are you from? Like, how did you get into the world? How'd you get into this world? Where does your empathy come from? I didn't even address the thing he thought. And I'm sure he was concerned about because what matters to me is the person and what they're going through. And he, then again, this is uh, someone in London that, you know, all of a sudden became very vulnerable, vulnerable with me and shared part of how he grew up with a emotionally abusive father. And I was like, see, this is what creating safe space does. This is exactly what it, it, now I know more about him and I know what he deals with on a day-to-day basis. Some of that PTSD and yeah, you know, he had an outburst with someone and they apologized and they were adults and they fixed it. I don't need to get involved in that. Like, totally. I don't want to be the hammer and I sure am not the judge and jury. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's, it starts with really a, a firm belief and a firm groundness and who you are, where you're coming from. And then you really opened yourself up to listening. You were like, let's not just get to the root of the problem. Let's under, let's not talk about the problem. Let's get to the root of this problem yeah. and go deeper, which says so much. And I'm sure. Charlie, we'll call him Charlie, as you mentioned, walked away feeling heard, feeling seen, and feeling like he wants to keep showing up because the time was taken to really feel like he mattered and the things that go on at work matter. And he matters as a human being because of that. That's right. Mattering is an enormous word for me. I Mm. use it a lot. One thing to create psychological safety and belonging and help people connect with one another. And yes, you bring me value. You bring this company value, but literally you matter. Like it matters to me if you're sad. It matters to me if you choose to leave this company. I like you. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the greatest gift. I mean, we have 1,600 people. I don't know 1,600 people. I can't wait until I do. You know, I, that'll probably be on my last breath by the time that happens. But <laughs> in the meantime... Spending time with people, whether or not that's in one-on-one situations or in jam sessions, which I do at least three times a week, that's the that's where it's about. Like I do icebreakers with people all the time, so very improv oriented. 
And uh, I just, I don't know. We, I want to spark as much joy as possible during the times that I'm, I'm with this person or with these people. And that's, you know, until my last breath, that's what I hope I'm doing. I love it. People don't leave jobs. They leave leaders. And this is a harsh truth when leaders are the single most important factor in accounting for an organization's performance. Is there a magical pill that can keep employees engaged, retained, and even assist in attracting top talent? Yes, my friends, that mystical medicine is you. Studies have found that people with positive energy produce substantially higher levels of engagement, they lower turnover, and they enhance the well-being among all employees. In my interactive keynote, I See You, How to Use Improv to Attract a Company Culture Where All Feel Seen, Heard, and Valued, I use my research and extensive experience in improvisational training to help you realize that the energy you put into yourself is a direct correlation to the energy you give to others. And the energy that everyone in the organization gives out is what magnetizes the culture where all feel included. This keynote is perfect for large teams and large-scale events. In this 60-minute interactive and high-energy session, I'll teach participants how to discover their power within and how to harness it on a daily basis. They'll learn the power of empathy and how to use it as a leadership tool and how to measure their energetic levels using high five, V-I-B-E-S. That's high five, five. If your organization wants to create a safe space, free of judgment, where all feel seen, heard, and valued, then this is the experiential and electric session for you. Email us at info at learn to improve it.com to learn more. I see you improve it, peeps. I see you. Wait, I have to ask you about a jam session. So tell tell us what a jam session is. Is it when you get a how does it how do you get to a jam session? That's what I want to know. Can I come to a jam? Tactical. Tactical okay. is uh, I put out on Slack, hey, I'm doing something for the next three months called 20 at 20. 20 people sign up for 20 minutes and we're just going to get to know one another. You're all going to be coming from different areas, different departments, different geographies around the world. And we're going to do an icebreaker. And that's that. Thank you. Here's the sign up sheet. Yeah. And I sent that out and I have to say, like, it's so more than 20 people. It's, uh, you know, it's like, or 90 people show uh, 90 people signed up just for one day. So that's three meetings, uh, three different meetings. And so I call that a jam session because we're just jamming. Yeah. Now, if someone chooses to say in that session, hey, you know, Claude, can I ask you something about the culture? Can I ask you that? Yeah, ask me anything. Ask me anything. People, I think, in companies feel like they need to be invited in. And so this is my way. It's completely open. My calendar is completely open. You want to drop 15 minutes on my calendar? Great. Let's go. If I have to move it, I'll reschedule it. So the accessibility and availability and being, you know, what you see is what you get, I do think sets people at ease a bit. Mm, 
Oh my God, I love that. We we have jam sessions and improv, but those are just improv jam sessions. And so <laughs> I need I needed that clarification. That is yeah. genius. And I love that. So any I, I'm sure you're okay. Take make your own jam sessions and prove it peace. Yeah. Make your own jams. That's huge. Well, that, that's the thing, Erin. You don't need a title to do any of this. Totally. Totally. <laughs> you don't. You just need a heart that wants to help and wants to spark joy and wants to be a passenger with someone on their journey. That's like it. That's it. Mike dropped. We're done. This interview is over. No, I'm just kidding. No, this is for real. Like you speak so much truth. I feel like there's so much alignment with improv and the way that you carry the torch there and the way that you're showing up. And I love this notion of empathy. It's come up a lot. You've mentioned it's the secret sauce. You sit on everything. So let me ask you this question. How do you see this energy? And I'm talking a lot about energy today because it it matters. And there's that word again. But this energy and this empathy, how do you see that as a direct correlation to the people that you attract to the company? People come here for a couple reasons. One, and I ask them, so I'm aware. One. Yeah. Gary V fans, Gary V fans, Gary V fans. Two, they know we're disrupting the advertising world. And three, they have heard about the culture or they have friends here. And so, you know, I can't, I have nothing to do with Gary V. Uh, I have a lot to do with disrupting the, the way we do things, especially in this world of people and experience in HR. And the culture is a place where people know it's a very warm and friendly culture. It's a collaborative culture. And they really know we have a no a-hole rule here. Mm-hmm. That's pretty no. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you start with that kind of as your common denominator. And when people go through their interview process and they're meeting with three, four, six people, they end up saying, you know, every single person said the same thing just in their own way. And that's, That's like, wow, talk about a consistency. You know, people like, people like consistency. They feel safe with consistency. If I was to show up at a meeting and not be my normal self, it would, it would probably freak people out. If I, you know, if I had a temper tantrum, it would freak people out. They don't know that. They don't know that side of me. Not that I have temper tantrums really anymore, just inside my head, but (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I look at my daughters and I go, God, I wish I could just do that right now. Just I know. cry and scream and kick on the floor. Me too. You know? I and then it's like then we put them in like a blanket and cuddle them and we're like, You're okay. And I'm like, where is that for me? I mean, my four-year-old is tall, she's very tall, and today she just like curled up inside of me like she was like a little, hmm. you know, six month old and she's huge. Um hmm. so That's th- anyway, that's what I I like follows like, and that is the rule of energy, you know, and, uh, we get people in here that are, they're similar in the fact that they want to do very similar things in terms of the disruption and in terms of being ahead of the, the eight ball and whatnot. And of course they're wildly uniquely different. And when I took the role six and a half years ago, one of the first things I did aside from changing the name of the department was I changed the way we hired. We used to hire for culture fit. 
that got a same, same, same. Oh, you like Pearl Jam. I like Pearl Jam. Right on. Cool. Oh, you've gone to Cabo San Lucas. So, it, oh, yeah, right on. Um, and now I changed it to Skill Set Fit and Culture belong, uh, and Culture Edition. Skill Set Fit and Culture Edition. Because now we can make sure that we're getting the, the diversity that we want from the obvious diversity, you know, race, ethnicity, sexuality, you know, religion, but diversity of thought and neurodiversity and people with seen and unseen abilities. Yes. You know. Yes. Yes. I love that. So skill set and culture addition. I love right. that so much. And you're so right. Energy, it attract it you're, you're spitting so many truths here. I really believe that all of this is in conjunction to you finding your very first fact says it all for me that you found a lot about yourself. You find, you know, the world is a big ball of energy and what you put into yourself is what you put out. And then what you put out is what you attract. And I feel like that's truly what empathy, this, this idea of empathy, empathetic leadership, this idea of you matter. I'm, I'm loving all of these themes. So if you could tell leaders one thing to start doing and one thing to stop doing right now, what would it be? Well, to start listening, and I mean active listening, listening to learn, that would be, it's pretty obvious, but I think it's important to say to make sure you're not doing all the talking. Um, that's what I would start to do. And I think to stop doing is thinking that you have all the answers because you just don't, yeah. <laughs> you just don't We're unless it's a mathematical equation and it's binary and it belongs in an Excel chart, everything else is, we are all figuring this out, all of us. And especially in a new day, a new dawn, you know, out of the pandemic, quote unquote, people are, you know, you don't know that I'm in my sweatpants. I mean, it's, it, there, there is no, uh, you know what, you know how people used to use the word best practice? There is no best practice right now. We're all coming up with the practices that work for our individual companies, our families, ourselves, so forth and so on. Yes. I love that answer. It's probably one of my favorite answers because I think a lot of times as leaders, we think we have to have the answers. And then if we don't, we look like a failure or we look like we're not doing our job well. Right. And I always yeah. say, fail. Yeah. Fail. Yeah. You know, yeah. fail on. Oh, yeah. Fail. Yeah. And truly, I'll never forget this. <laughs> there was one time a team member of mine, I didn't have the answer. And so I said, well, what do you think? And that team member said, well, you're supposed to know. That's why, and I said, no, we are supposed to figure it out together. And I think right there in that moment, I real that was a realization for myself that I don't have to have all the answers. And that's why we have a team is because we're supposed to collaborate. And that as improvisers, the world is improv. Everything is made up. Literally, this company uses improv. It's, it was a made up company. This podcast was made up. It's all a construct. We're making yeah. it up as we go, everything. Yeah. And when you stop and think about it, it really gives yourself freedom from feeling like you have to be perfectionist or you have to be a perfectionist. You have to know all the things and you have to show up as this person at work when in reality, you have 
flaws and failures and are figuring it out like everybody else. Yeah. I, I, I'm really like high-fiving you for everything that you said there. And it's absolutely right. And I, also, I, I think it's right. So I think you have the right answer. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay. For once, for once. But, but I also want to say to piggyback off of that, it's really the little things that matter. Because the little things are what make up our life. Like you and I, the the big things are like, I don't know, are you like, did you win the lottery today? I mean, that's giant. Did you get married today? That's giant. Most everything is little. Like, unless it's like your kid took their first step, said their first word. It's little things. And those little things matter. And especially, you know, I think a lot about mental health and emotional health since it's it's that time and I have that generation. I have a lot of uh, Gen Zs and yeah. young millennials at work. And so we do a lot with mental health, emotional health, and really helping people, empowering people, I should say, to to to, to take care of themselves and to figure out in the moment, what do I need? What do I need right now? And if you don't know, that's okay. Then just take the moment. Yes. <laughs> like, you don't have to force something into uh, a shoe that, that your foot just doesn't fit into. So there's, you know, there is no perfection. Let's just, I just want to remove that whole thing. None of us are Olympians right now. We're not like striving for the gold. We are striving, I believe, and need to spend more time striving for peace in our hearts and in our minds and love and kindness. And I mean this of self and then others. And, you know, just being okay when things are okay and when they're not okay. And that's really tough because our societies don't really like it when things are not okay. That is so, so true. Everything, I am high-fiving you right back. And I got to tell you too, it's like, hmm, it's like you can't pour from this empty cup, you said it earlier when you said, you know, if I'm not feeling, if somebody puts time on my calendar and I need to reschedule or I, I'm having a day, I'm going to take some time for me because you have to put that energy and that clarity and that mental stability into yourself, especially in a people oriented role in order to give to others. And I love that, Claude. I think you're doing, you are truly a joy to watch lead people. Thank you. And I mean that wholeheartedly, like a joy. Much. Yes. Means a lot. Thank you. Yes. And I hope you receive, I could cry. I'm like, why am I tearing up? I'm like, it's, I, I truly mean it. I hope you receive it because I feel it's heartfelt. It. Yeah. And so I want to end with this question because here at Improve It, we say you're it is your thing that you're here to do. It's your purpose. It's your mission. It's why you're here. So why is Claude, what is your it? Tell us what is your it? I am here uh, for joyful service to literally spread and be of joyful service. And we feel that for real, for real. So if anyone wants to connect with you, Claude, where can they find you? What's the best way? You got to follow her on LinkedIn if you're not already, but what? how can they find you? I'd say LinkedIn is huge. Like drop me a note. I'll absolutely get back to you. Instagram, Facebook. I have a website. You can write in and you know write your name and I'll get back to you. Um, but I definitely get back to people when they write. It might take me a little bit of time, but I love knowing what's up with people. And if, certainly if I can be of service, but more so just like where you are. Mm. 
So cool. So cool. And please reach out. She means that. And I, I will drop all of those things in the show notes. And Claude, I have to tell you, I'm so honored to have had this conversation, to make this connection and to pour that secret sauce, okay, on every plate I touch as a leader. And I know so many people listening are going to get so much value out of this conversation. And the condiments of leadership, you are the Costco sized addition to the company oh, culture. Like okay. All right. You are Costco sized. Hey, so, right. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you so much. It has been a joy. Thank you so much, everyone. Okay. That was amazing. I hope that you had a notebook out. You were jotting down quotes. You were jotting down words of wisdom so much to unpack, but here's what I want you to take away. One thing that I loved about today's show is this through line of empathy. It's the secret sauce. Use it on everything, right? So I want you to hear how those jam sessions impact the people at VaynerMedia. 20 minutes, invite 20 people, 90 people show up, and they're just getting to know each other. Especially in this hybrid workforce, what an awesome way to create connection. What an awesome way to create culture and to get people just getting to know each other. It's like they're standing in the kitchen at the water cooler, except they're doing something that's fun and evokes emotion and empathy and connection. So as Claude mentioned, you don't have to have a title. If you're listening to this show and you're not a chief art officer, which there might be only one in the world, or you're not in human resources, but you are a person who cares about other people, present this idea to a leader in your organization and implement some culture building activities for your team. Claude is walking her truth she has given us so much wonderful insight, and I hope that today's episode spoke to you. So that's your homework. Get out there, create some jam sessions in your work, in your life, and I promise you it's going to change the game wherever you are. You know what I'm going to say Improve it, peeps? I want you to keep failing, keep improving, because this world, we need that very special it that only you can bring. I'll see you next time. Hey friend, did you enjoy today's show? If so, head on over to iTunes to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, did I mention that when you leave a five-star review of the Improve It podcast, an actual team of humans does a happy dance? Mm-hmm, that's right. So leave a review for us on iTunes, screenshot it, and send me an email at info at learntoimproveit.com. I'll send you a personalized video back as a thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Improve It, peeps. I'll see you next Wednesday. <laughs>